person who's anti-God, is a person who is a scoffer. And it's a, it's a powerful word in the Hebrew. And, and, you know, so if you're a scoffer that, that scoffs at God, you know, it's one thing. But to actively go to other people and ridicule them because they believe in God, that God help you. Okay? That is, that is, that is the worst thing. And there's a lot of that going on today, right? There's a lot of that happening today. There is so much misuse of God's name today. And, and the breaking of this, of this commandment. So this is, this is really important. Now, can, can we do a little grammar this morning? You guys up for grammar? You got out of bed to do grammar this morning? Can we do that? Okay. All right. Here, here is what's called the tetragrammaton in Hebrew. Okay? It's, it's the word Yahweh. You've probably heard of it. This is the word that got revealed to Moses at the burning bush. When, when Moses came to the burning bush and Moses said, you're going to send me back to Egypt. You're going to send me back to, to, the, to that place I didn't want to go. The people are going to ask me, who is it that sends me? Who it, like, by what authority? And the name that gets revealed at that moment in time is Yahweh. And it's known as the Tetragrammaton. And in fact, this is the sacred name of God in, in the Hebrew Old Testament. This is the word that many um, devout Jews will not repeat, or will not say out loud, even in their private uh, devotional life. There's, there's you know, it, the Tetragrammaton means the four letters. This is just the consonants, by the way, because in Hebrew, the vowels uh, go underneath the letters, basically. Under, so you read Hebrew uh, right to left, backwards, and up and down like this. This is, a, this is the way you read, read Hebrew. So the vowels are not attached. In fact, most scholars would tell you, people who study this stuff, is that we're not exactly sure what the letters really are. We, we, we can predict and, and, you know, from grammatical, Yahweh is what we think the pronunciation was and if you go to a synagogue, if you go to a synagogue that, that continues to not pronounce the holy personal name of God, they will replace the tetragrammaton, the Yahweh, with Adonai. Adonai is the Hebrew word for Lord. Okay, so they'll say Lord. So they'll they'll take the consonants of Yahweh. And they'll take the vowels of Adonai and attach it to the word, the, the vowels for Adonai underneath, and it makes the word Jehovah. So technically, Jehovah does not exist in the Bible. It's a, it's a merging of the word God and the word Adonai, Yahweh and Adonai. That is how Hebrew can do that. And Hebrew can, you know, because Hebrew does this, it can do some pretty interesting things. It can take, it can take the consonants of a false god and put the vowels of uh, abomination underneath it. Okay? So at the same time when you're reading, you're reading about this false god and, and seeing the vowels of abomination underneath it. So you can't do that in English, right? It's kind of, kind of like the neat things that you can do in English. But this is the personal name for God. So if you ever go to a synagogue and you hear them cantillate the Hebrew text, they'll, they'll jump over Yahweh and they'll say Adonai or Nashem, you know, the name. Okay, but it's such a sacred name. And, and, and tradition holds that the Hebrew scribes as they're, you know, writing out the Hebrew Old Testament. They'll come to the personal name of God. They will stop and kind of wash their hands, grab a new pen, and go from there. Right? There's, a, there's you know, a, a, a sacredness 
to that. And, they, and, you know, I could go on and on and on about this. But the reality is it was a sacred name. And they would do these things to guard themselves from breaking this commandment. Now, in the summer, we did the I am um, sayings out of the Gospel of John. And this is the, the Old Testament I am statement. When Jesus talked about I am, this is the echo that people are hearing. That Jesus is claiming the authority of the God who spoke in the burning bush. The I am the bread of life. I am, you know, the water of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection and life. All those statements that Jesus made, everyone would have heard the echo of the I am the Yahweh statement of the Old Testament in 3.14. So this is, this is really powerful. And the Jewish people would be so fearful of abusing and misusing and carrying the name of God that they wouldn't even utter it, even in silent uh, devotional. You know, they would, they would kind of step back and treat it with a lot of respect, Because here it is, anything that empties God of his authority, anything that empties God of his power, of his integrity, misuses the name of God. So, um, here, here, here's where I see, um, at least scripturally, the four ways that we possibly misuse the name of God. Uh, the first one is the obvious one, is profanity. Okay? Profanity is the obvious one, you know. And how many times do you hear people say, "I can't even say it," <laughs> you know? But do you, but do you, real, do you realize that "OMG" is just as much a misuse of God's name as anything else? That's the short form, eh? Oh my! And you hear it all the time. Even, even when you say "Gosh," right? Technically, you know, you're trying to hide yourself from really misusing the name of God. Okay. That's that's kind of a uh, uh, you know a circle a circle around you know how many of you have ever been to St Paul's in London England have you ever St Paul's Cathedral gorgeous place eh um, have you ever been there Sir Christopher Wren was the is the famous architect that that did that when they were building that place he put signs inside the cathedral and he said anyone that profanes in any way shape or form is fired you do not have a job here anymore you can just walk. That's what he said. If you profane, if you use language inappropriate in this holy place, you no longer have a job. And for, for Sir Christopher Wren, uh, I, as I understand his life, he did that for almost everything else he built. But especially for St. Paul's. He just, he just didn't do that. He just kept, you know, you know a, 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 a real turning point in my, in my life when I was growing up was I actually uh, a, a, a bunch of guys when I was when I was in college took out uh, the encyclopedia of swearing, and we actually studied all the all the swear words and where they where they originated, and believe it or not they actually originated somewhere and they actually mean something, yeah yeah so you know so don't take the book out. Okay, I had everybody in the first service saying you know you're you know everybody's going to take that book out now you know and I said it's been updated recently too anyway. Um, <laughs> You'd be surprised. Words that we use today, the etymology, like where where are these these words actually originated from? They actually had significant meaning, but 
but the profanity. And, and you have to be very careful. But we profane the name of God all the time. That we profane the name of Jesus all the time. Jesus gets blamed for more things just by the way people respond. You know, isn't that, isn't that true? So um, that's, that's one way, and that's the obvious way that everybody... But it's much more than that. That's, that's, that's the thing that's behind this particular... Secondly is God talk. God talk. You know, um, how many times have you heard somebody say, My God would never... Oh... Oh, my, my God would never. Or worship. You know, let's, let's be careful about worship. When we worship and extol things in front of people, and yet our heart is, we have to be very careful. Okay? There's so much God talk. Um, it's interesting to me how much God talk exists in our culture, but very little that's uplifting or glorifying to God. Okay, there's a lot, lot, you know, conversations all the time with people. God, God, God. And, 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 and my, I, I love saying, well, where'd you get that from? Where'd you find that? Where did, where, how did you come to understand? You know, it's under, amazing to me how many times people say, you know, it's from their experience. There, there's no credibility to why they have this concept about God, but this is how they're communicating God to other people. Have to be very careful. By the way, this is one of the reasons. This is one of the reasons um, it's it's so important to understand biblically the character and the nature of God, because it all starts there. If you have a false understanding of God, you're going to have a false understanding about anything else in life. Period. Period. There are so many of us. There are so many of us that want to adopt a piece of God, but not God in its totality. Right? You know, we love, we, we love a loving God. And, and again, um, that's fair. But that's one part of his character and nature. A significant part of his character and nature, let's be honest. But there's so much more to God. And not only that, that we, we, you know, we misunderstand what love of God actually, actually means. It means that God's good with anything I do. Do you know that some of the moments that God loves you the most are those moments where he has to discipline you? Right? We don't, <laughs> you, you know, a lot of tension there, right? But the reality is there's moments in our lives where some of the difficulty that happens in our lives is actually the moment in your life that God is expressing his love towards you in a very profound way. But it's hard for us to take, right? Because that's not what a loving God would do. That God's absolutely okay with everything I'm doing. That's not necessarily what a loving God is all about. So we have to be very, very careful about that. You know, the other, the third one here is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy all, all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's that idea of being an actor, right? You're one thing on stage, you're another thing in the real world. Right? They can put on the mask wherever you, you want. It's an expectation that you have to live a particular way. I don't necessarily have to live a particular way. Right? And when people see that, what do they see? They see you as a person of hypocrisy representing a God that allows you to live that way. And so what does that say about God? 
Okay? So hypocrisy is a big, big, big deal. Um, and hypocrisy is nothing... Listen, hypocrisy is nothing more than religious acting. That, that's all hypocrisy is. It's nothing more than religious acting. Um, it's, it's counterfeit living. It's counterfeit living. And people see counterfeit living right away. People will see counterfeit anything right away. In fact, isn't it true, isn't it true that in our culture and society, you know, we have uh, an elevated sense of, you know, a counterfeit life. Like, people can smell a counterfeit a mile away. You know, you know we, we, we've sort of been trained with our radar you, you know, in, 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 a whole, in a new way in this, in this culture to, to, to see people in skeptical ways and to see counterfeit people really easily. Okay? Here's, here's, the, here's the last one. Misrepresentation. And this one's, this one's a huge, huge one. Um, in between, uh, Jonathan's out, right? Um, Jonathan Griffiths, who, who was here and, and, and talked about our, our missionary in, in Austria, missionary partner in Austria. I think he's having his interview right now. He, he told me something in between the service. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. He says, in Austria, you know, he talked about the refugees that are coming into, into the church. And they're flocking to the evangelical church. Uh, do you know why they're flocking to the evangelical church and not the Catholic church? Okay, this is really interesting what he told me. So the Catholic Church has Jesus up on the cross, still, crucified. Okay, the Evangelical Church doesn't. And they say, you know, and then they come in seeing hope, and they say, you still have Jesus on the cross. I thought you worshipped a resurrected Savior. Why do you have him on the cross? So they see, they see the evangelical church as celebrating the resurrection and celebrating what they truly believe. As a, you know, again, uh, no statement here and there. Please don't, you know. But, but it's, isn't, that, it's, isn't that interesting, right? Misrepresentation. You know, uh, you know uh, again, you know how crazy it makes me if you hear someone, uh, politicians, you know, make statements about the Bible, if I hear one more politician say the truth will set you free out of context, it'll make me crazy. <laughs> Let me get this right. So you're being a disciple of Christ, right? And the truth has set you free first and foremost before you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Rip, misrepresentation. Wars have been started by misrepresenting God. You know, all, all of that kind of stuff, right? Misrepresentation is a huge, huge deal. Right? So whatever you do, how you, how you carry God into your life is so important. And lifting up the name of Christ. Right? Um, by the way, I totally missed this in the first service. And everybody in life group is going to be after me for this. But this commandment protects God's right to honor and respect. That's what this commandment does. It protects God's right to honor and respect. He is the creator of the universe. He is the king of the universe. I say to my classroom all the time, those are the two biggest things that are attacked in our culture today, is the create, creative nature of God and the kingship of God over, over us, that we are responsible and we are accountable to God 
for everything, for our entire lives. And yet those are the two areas of life that are the most attacked when it comes to God. His, his, uh, you know, his, his kingship and his, uh, you know, his being the creator of all things. The two things that get attacked. And yet those are the things that God deserves honor and respect. And his name is attached to the fact that he is the creator. That he is the authority over our lives. That we are responsible to him for our lives. And his name denotes that. So anything that brings shame or empties God of his significance or makes him appear worthless or empties him of his authority is misusing his name and therefore breaking the third commandment. How do we, you know, what do we do about this? Do we, do we actually see ourselves as a representative of God to everybody that that we associate with. And, I'm, and I don't mean being a fake in any kind, way, shape, or form. But how, how many times do you hear the name of the Lord misused, misrepresented? It's a horrible thing that we are experiencing. Do you know that Los Angeles lists 16 people who have driver's license to say Jesus Christ? Imagine being the police officer that pulls them over. How are you going to get out of this one? No, sorry. (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah. How to misuse the name of the Lord, the third commandment. Come back next week. We're going to finish this series off as we talk about honoring the Lord and not having any other gods above him because you know as as we talked about at the beginning of the series this is going to be the first one that we have to start at when it comes and for the human side this coveting the number 10 that we talked about they become the book ends in which we understand the 10 commandments in a new and profound way and and it, this closes off to our series uh, on the 10 commandments but beyond that we're looking at a series for easter you know, the wonder, the week of wonder. And we're going to talk a little bit about what, what everyone that experienced the Easter event for the very first time, what they would have experienced and what difference it makes for our lives and how it changes everything. And beyond that, remember, we have our Easter offering that is coming, you know, for our immeasurably more campaign that we're looking to help pay down the debt of, of the building. So I want to encourage you with all of that as well please and and keep praying keep praying we have a we we have a we have so many people that we need to reach there are so many people that that need to hear the gospel of jesus christ there's this is such a opportunistic time in 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 the calendar this easter season to be able to invite people and to bring people to hear a message of hope just like jonathan talked about like that's so exciting that they're actually drawing straws to do baptisms isn't that doesn't that excite you doesn't that excite you wouldn't you wouldn't you love to see new lives and people transformed by the gospel of jesus christ right here right now in this place wouldn't you you know 
You know, maybe, maybe we should start setting up the baptismal tank every week and just having it here just in case. Amen? Praise God. Thank you. Lord, thank you for this morning. And uh, as we looking to wrap up this series next week and to then enter into the wonderful season of Easter. Lord, what a blessing it is to be reminded of these commandments and, and to see them as something beyond just a do not. That there's, that there's very important reasons and theology that lie behind these commandments. And, and Lord, as, as we've stated many times, these commandments are ultimately a, a, a mirror into our own souls, but a window into your very heart. So thank you as we continue to be reminded of your character and of your nature and of these commandments that really are transformative. Cultures have used them for centuries. And yet in some way we continue to relegate them to the dustbin of history. But how important they are for us to remember that they reflect the character and the nature of God and the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. So Lord... Thank you again for the reminder, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand together as we close our service in song.
God, help us to follow you in everything, in our actions, in our love, and even in our words, so that we may better love you, love others, and change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a reminder, the prayer room is open and available if anyone feels led to pray or to be prayed for, and we look forward to seeing you next week.